ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. Uh, You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us, use the Twitter handle at SF Diocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and the hashtag Ignition. Again, if you're on Twitter, it's SF Diocese with a hashtag Ignition to give us uh, your feedback. So you may have noticed that I didn't get rudely interrupted by Father Dickinson uh, during that little introduction because he's not here today. Instead, I have one of my regular guest co-hosts, Renee Leach. Hi, Renee. Hi, everybody. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm more polite than Father Dickinson, but it's okay if I don't hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, if you're a Sorry, regular, if you're, if you're a regular listener to Ignition, um, this is the part where Father and I go on for two, three, or four minutes with completely inane banter. Now, I know some of you like that, but I'm guessing most of you don't. And my guest co-host, co-host is one of the latter. So, because of Renee... <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to move pretty quickly into it. But, but in case you haven't listened to Ignition, um, I like we like to begin by giving a little bit more of an introduction of, of who we are, uh, and then we'll get into today's topic. So um, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I've um, been in that role for a little over 14 years. Uh, more importantly, I am married to Jermaine for 16 and a half-ish years, uh, and we have five children. So, Renee, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Renee Leach. I work for the Diocese in the Human Resources Office. Uh, I am married. I have two children and recently was blessed with a grandbaby. Yay. Her name is Iris Renee. Iris Renee is her uh-huh. name. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> well, with a middle name like that, I know, how can she not? I know. She's, she's pretty special. Anyway, um, and I as I said, work in the human resources office. And so when Chris gets really desperate for a co-host, he brings chocolate down and bribes me into, um, wow. <laughs> into, into participating. But, um, I have a deep love for scripture and all things Catholic. So, um, you're an adult convert. I'm an adult convert. Yes. And like many, um, and this came up actually recently in a teaching I was doing, um, just somebody made the comment that adult converts tend to know more about the faith because they investigate it more than if you well, I, are I raised had, in it. Um, I was raised anti-Catholic, so I had a lot of questions <laughs> before I could <laughs> yeah. actually convert. So it, it was a journey to to get to this point. But it usually is. Um, so you've been on ignition before, uh, and the topic we're going to take discuss today is one. And actually, you just alluded to it. That's that's of great interest to you. Um, and to me, contrary to what Father Dickinson says, if you ever listen, we're going to talk about Scripture today. Uh, and, and Father and I are doing an occasional series where we're looking at books of the Bible. Um, and uh, we've done episodes before on praying with Scripture. But what you and I, Renee and I, are going to do today um, is, is look a little bit more at how to study scripture um, in the way that the Catholic Church understands it. So how to really engage in scripture. Because I think, so Renee, you tell me what you think about this. I think that a lot of Catholics 
feel like um, they don't read scripture. The church encourages us to read scripture, but a lot of Catholics don't because, well, okay. So in some cases, it might not just interest them. It may not be relevant to their lives. Or they think it's not relevant. Or they think it's relevant, not relevant to their lives. Um, in other instances, some Catholics might want to, but they, they're afraid to because they're afraid they're going to misinterpret it, get it wrong somehow, right. or they don't know where to begin. Or maybe they have begun, like a lot of Catholics do. And got to Leviticus <laughs> and Deuteronomy and stopped because they couldn't read any exactly. further. Um, for you personally, and, and you and I have talked about this when you've been on Ignition before, just, just as a way in, there's the reasons why some Catholics don't read Scripture. Why do, do you read Scripture? Um, the, the story, it's the story of our salvation and it's not a fairy tale. It, it's history. It really happened. And when you are in it, you can see throughout time, God's faithfulness and his love for us and how he has desired a relationship with us since, um, Adam and Eve were pushed out of the Garden of Eden, and he has never stopped pursuing us and providing us with opportunities to have that relationship to the point that he said, I'm sending my son down there to fulfill the promise that you people cannot seem to get it together <laughs> <You> to. <people. laughs> in, in a very loving way, of course. But right. It's, it's just such a love story right. um, for me, and it just um, makes me feel very beloved to be in the midst of it. So I think that, so there's a lot of Catholics who maybe, all right, so I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm maybe, I've never seen it as relevant, but I'm going to try, or I'm afraid to, but I'm going to try. Uh, and that what they're most com often comfortable doing is doing a Bible study that's maybe offered at their parish. Right. Um, and those are well and good. We're blessed with many incredible Bible studies today. But what we want to do today is talk a little bit about some key principles that the church provides for us that allow us um, on our own, not alone, but but in, in, on our own in the sense of maybe outside of a formal Bible study, to really study Scripture and uh, for ourselves and to see what it is that it means for us in our own lives. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Um, so, what the the for somebody who maybe wants to get into this more than we're going to be able to, we should be uh, clear up front that we're basically stealing most of the content from today's episode. Yeah, it's a little bit of a book review. Here. It is. <laughs> so, but it's a great book. <laughs> it is. So, so um, you you have read in detail. I've 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 skimmed through it. Um, a book by Edward Shree called "The Bible Compass: A Catholic's Guide to Navigating the Scriptures." Uh, Dr. Shree teaches at the Augustine Institute in Denver, and he produced uh, wrote this book a few years ago, um, 2012 or so, I think. Um, as the subtitle says, "As a Catholic's Guide to Navigating the Scriptures." So, just a way. Um, it's a, about 140 pages long. A book to help. The average Catholic. Yeah, it's not academic. It's written in a way that the average person can can understand and read and and um, relate it to their own journey. So it's not it's not an it's not an academic textbook that Dr. Bergwald would read. <laughs> it is. So that was kind of a slam. I apologize. For <laughs> I, I things need to be brought down to my level right. in order for me to understand okay. it, and this one does. Yeah, so just briefly, a little bit more uh, about the book. Um, uh, just elaborate on what you were just saying. So it's readable. Why would you, I'm presuming here, would you recommend this book to an average Catholic? 
Who's I, interested I in the Bible? I will be admit I was kind of forced into reading this book by a friend. Um, we won't say his name on air. Um, <laughs> Good. But um, it was definitely it was definitely worth for me reading. Um, and I, one of the things that um, struck me about it is, is he says in his book. Um, there are difficulties placed in scripture on purpose. And so mm. the difficulties that I was having and, and, the, and the struggles that I sometimes feel being overwhelmed with some of the content of what's in the Bible, he explains in his book, Dr. Sri explains that that's normal and it's put there on purpose. So that, that uh, in and of itself was helpful to you. It was, okay. it was, it just kind of encouraged me to keep going. Okay. Um, so you'd recommend it to average I would Catholics. recommend it to okay. the average. Just just to make you say the words. I would recommend it. <laughs> okay, good. So um, one of the, the sort of the, the, I don't know if it's the heart of the book, but one of the central parts of the book to me, and certainly what I, want, what I find to be very valuable um, when I've taught the, this content to others is the, the part where Ted goes through what he calls the five keys of scripture. And he doesn't make these up on his own. He's really taking what the church presents to us most recently at the Second Vatican Council in its document on scripture and from the Catechism of the Catholic Church from the 90s, that authoritative guide to what we believe as Catholics, what it presents on how we as Catholics should read, understand, and interpret sacred scripture. So uh, he refers to them as the five keys. That's just, that's just language that uh, Renee and I might be using. Um, be aware that it's not identified that way in the catechism, but but that's a good summary. And that's really good. That's a really good thing to point out because I actually went and looked in the catechism for these five keys, and um, I was very thankful that I had Doctor Suri's book that had them listed all in one place right. <laughs> and written in a way that I could easily understand what it meant because I couldn't find them in the catechism right. in an easy way. I right. Mean, yep. Yep. They're there uh, in one section, but. Uh, he does a good job of really unpacking them and, as you exactly. said, sort of putting them together in one spot. Yeah. Um, so so let's uh, get into the, the five keys. Again, the, the goal for this episode is, is for you as the listener, for you to be able to engage with Scripture and have the confidence to engage with Scripture um, on, on your own. Um, so the first key, uh, Renee, remind me of what the first key is. Uh, the first key is to read it um, and discover the author's intention. Okay, so when you're reading a passage in Scripture, um, and the, and this is it's 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 a it's the first point, it's a primary point. You need to read it um, aware that yes, God is the author, but there's also a human author, and so we need to understand what it is that the human author intended to be written if we want to properly understand that. So, for instance. Um, Traditionally, it said that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So let's just use it as an example. Uh, when Moses wrote Genesis, what was Moses trying to communicate when he was writing those words? That's that's basically what this key says, right? Correct. Um, why do you, in in your mind, why is this an important point to begin? Why is this the first, or what's important about this key? Um, because if you don't, because it can be confusing if you're going from like Genesis and you're reading it and you're thinking, okay, it literally happened the way it right. says in Genesis and, and you read it as, as literal and that's going to confuse you and cause all sorts of conflict. What you have to step back and realize is that Moses was trying to get his people to understand that there was 
that God created something from nothing. Right. And that he put order into the world and it was done very purposeful, purposefully for us. And so when you when you are reading the book of Genesis, keeping that in mind, um, you can you can extract the fuller meaning of the words doing that. So um what, so taking that that example, uh, when you're reading Genesis, understand, understand the author's intent. So Moses might be speaking, and, and the literary genre also goes along with right. this. So he, what is it that he's trying to communicate, as you just said? Um, so if we're taking, talking about the creation narratives, is he trying to give us uh, a, a lesson in, in, in cosmology or astronomy or biology? No. 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 It's a, it's a message of salvation. Um, the, there's something else that you say. Oh, so we have to take his intent into account and the literary genre. So the style that he he was writing in this this book was written thou, literally thousands of years ago, uh, and, and literally on almost the other side of the planet. So they're going to speak in uh, genre, write in genres, use um, idioms, similes, metaphors that might be foreign to us as twenty first century Americans. Exactly, and what their understanding <clears throat> was of. Of the world right. at that time, right? Exactly. Um, I, I, I want to say, by the way, if, if this were a, a video podcast, you would have seen the really Chris look that I got when you. <laughs> but you did very well, Renee. <laughs> I was prepared to talk about a different book, not Genesis, but it's okay. <laughs> well, you did he, well. He always throws me a curve. Sorry. Ball. I don't try to, uh, usually. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. Uh, Renee Leach is my guest co-host today, and she and I are talking about uh, how Catholics can better read, understand, and inter- interpret sacred scripture. And we're using, uh, sort of as a guide, uh, pun intended, the, the Bible Compass, A Catholic's Guide to Navigating the Scriptures by Dr. Edward Shree. So there are five keys that, that Dr. Shree talks about in this book, and we just dis- touched on the first one, which is discovering the author's intention. Renee, what's the second uh, key? When, when we're going to a passage of Scripture, we're trying to interpret it. We have to understand the author's intention and his literary genre uh, that the, he used. What's the second key? The second key is being attentive to the unity of Scripture. So why don't you go ahead and tell me something about that? <laughs> rather than me asking you a question. Um, I actually love this one because I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we stay so focused on the New Testament that we forget about the Old Testament. And the New Testament needs to be read within the understanding of the Old Testament because the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament and the New Testament is revealed in the Old Testament. And if you don't, everything that Jesus said and did fulfilled a prophecy of, excuse me, of the Old Testament. And so there isn't a word um, that Jesus spoke in the New Testament that doesn't refer back to the Old Testament. There is some connection there. Nothing, there, there is no mistake. There's no coincidence. Um, and knowing those things just pulls out the beauty of, uh, and the richness of God fulfilling his promise to us. So being aware. So, so in other words, if I'm reading a passage in uh, one of the Gospels, maybe um, I might be able to get something. I will. I almost certainly would be able to get something out of it on its own. But when I read that passage, when I interpret it in light of all of Scripture, it's going to become that much more meaningful and rich exactly. to me. Um, 
I had a thought. Oh, 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 oh. I know what it was. Uh, one of the, for me, a, a metaphor that was really helpful uh, to explain this point. I think it was maybe Bishop Robert Barron who put it this way, uh, but a lot of people have basically said it. You mentioned um, at the beginning of your explanation of this key uh, that, that often, oftentimes we sort of, especially as Christians, ignore the Old Testament right. a little bit. Uh, have I think you it, read the names back then? Right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason why. Um, that's like reading the final chapter of a book and trying to make sense of it. Exactly. Uh, so, so maybe to use a pop culture reference, that's like trying to watch The Force Awakens, episode seven of the Star Wars movie saga, and not knowing not anything the, about one through right, six and exactly. trying to make sense of it. You, exactly. Like, okay, this You're is, missing. So you can get, the, you might be able to get the gist of it, but you don't understand the real meat of Right. Of what's happening. Exactly. The way that uh, Father Rich Veris, uh, I think the title of the book is Jesus of Israel or something. Um, He makes uh, the same point in a different way. Um, If we take our relationship with Jesus seriously, that means we have to get to know his family. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, And and how do we do that? Um, Through the Old Testament. Through the Old Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when you're going to a, and then the, I think one concrete way you can do this, a lot of Bibles, especially study Bibles, but but oftentimes other Bibles as well, will have cross references, not that are inspired, but that's where scholars help us do that. So if you're reading a passage, check the margins or the footnotes and see if it's referring to you to other other parts of the Bible. The other thing that I would recommend are there's some really great commentaries out there for the different books of the Bible that help to tie things together. Um, for me personally, um, the the passages that refer back to the Old Testament, I can go back and and see what the, the passage was, but I don't necessarily understand the connection. Right. So the commentaries are helpful because they help you put the pieces together. Great. Okay. Anything else in the second key that you want to mention? Nope. Okay. So the third key then says, read scripture uh, within the living tradition of the church. Again, read scripture. So the passage that you're reading, um, if you're trying to understand it, read it, read it within the living tradition of the church. What does that mean? Well, my interpretation of that key, because now they start getting a little fuzzy for me, but my interpretation of the key is we have to understand what did the early church fathers and the apostles and the disciples believe, because that's where this all started was with living tradition. They didn't start writing until several decades right. down the road. Right. And so the gospel was passed through living tradition by example from from generation to generation. So we have to look at what did the early fathers and the and the apostles and the disciples pass down to us as the living tradition. We have to understand what that is. When we're reading scripture, how does it relate back to what they were practicing what they were and doing. So if we want to get a better idea of what the um, what a passage in the Bible means, it might be helpful. It won't be necessary. Well, it might be conclusive if there's unanimity. But if we look at the commentaries of the early church fathers, what they said about that passage, well, we might get it. Because they, they live, obviously, much closer to the time to in the which time the documents of- were written than and we do. I, and I think the best example of that is the Bread of Life discourse in the book of John, um, chapter six, where he's, where John writes that Jesus said, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. So did the, did the early church fathers 
believe and and was their practice and tradition was it that it was a symbol of what Jesus had said at, you know when they were celebrating the Eucharist or did they believe that it was the two presents and that's that's a very it's a very right. clear yeah that they did believe it that they did real, believe yeah. it was the real thing and and even beyond um, the fathers if we look to um, the doctors with a capital D there right. there are certain saints they're all saints in church history who because of the 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 holiness of their teaching and even Saint Therese of Lisieux they're not necessarily theologians but they they might have um, teaching that's helpful for us but if we look at the doctors with a capital D of the church the saints of the church and their interpretation that's also another way we see that living tradition exactly so Saint Thomas Aquinas one of the most brilliant theologians but also a saint a doctor of the church how did he understand it that's another way for us to read scripture from within the heart of the church and that helps us to <coughs> correctly interpret it. If are we are we interpreting it in the same way when we read it? Are we understanding it in the same way that the early church? Right, right. If we're if we're if we're off base, if we come up with an interpretation that's certainly contrary to what that living tradition we're from the beginning, we're off. probably not quite getting it right. <laughs> okay, um, let's look next then at the fourth key. Uh, the way that that Dr. Shri describes this one: read scripture within the symphony of God's revelation. The technical term is to read scripture um, with the analogy of faith. And Ray, we've talked about this one a little bit. This is a little bit tougher. It to, is a to, little bit tougher. So what this basically says is that so an analogy of faith. Uh, Ted uses the image of a symphony. Some people use the image of a, of a puzzle. Were all the truths that God has revealed to us in scripture, uh, in tradition, fit together somehow. And so when we look at the analogy of faith, the idea is, is my understanding of this passage, does it fit within the whole or not? And at, <clears throat> concretely, explicitly, um, does this does my interpretation align with what the church definitively teaches as doctrine? And this is really, this this is a really important thing to be because this is the point where schisms happen right. and people interpret it in their own way, not paying attention to maybe what how the, the magisterium exactly. or, you know, their bishop. So, yep. Yeah. So, so take your example of John chapter six, what Jesus says about the Eucharist. Um, as you said, we use the we can use the third key to look at uh, what did the early church say, what did the great doctors and teachers of the church say, and then we can use the fourth key. Okay, what is the church authoritatively taught in councils, in the catechism, and exactly. so on? So we can use so when we look up the we can use the catechism therefore as a check uh, to help us understand the, a passage. Correct. Okay, um, we have about four minutes to go and one more key. Oh, we, we could do it. We can do it. Okay. So the the fifth key, use the four senses of Scripture. Can you explain this one to us? Well, the four senses, um, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a promising beginning. I know. You got three minutes. Now go. <laughs> so the four senses of Scripture... Um, one thing that we, we didn't really touch on explicitly, um, the catechism or the church tells us, and we know this to be true, that, that you have the different human authors, but then you also have the divine author. And so, uh, somebody might be writing. So let's, let's, uh, use, we're talking about John chapter six. So John's writing his gospel 
and is a true human author. He's writing it with his intention and so on. But God is also at work inspiring him. Exactly. Uh, and so because God is at work inspiring all these various human authors throughout centuries over time, God can, in a sense, hide deeper meanings of Scripture within a particular passage that the human author really didn't even realize as he's that writing was, these words. That, was, that he was... Attentive to, aware of, right. as he's writing. But God knew what he was doing. Uh, and so we use these different senses of Scripture uh, to make sense of them. The the senses are, the four senses are, the literal sense, the allegorical sense, the moral sense, and the anagogical sense. Okay. Um, the literal sense is like, let's just use a temple. Um, a temple, the literal sense is the temple. The temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem. Okay. Um, allegorically, it's um, how does that temple point us back to Jesus? Okay. So the allegorical always points us to Jesus. Always points okay. us to Jesus. Okay. Okay. So what, did this, what is this, in this case, how is the temple, what it, does it tell us about Jesus? So Jesus is the temple. The temple. Okay. Yes, okay. the temple. And then the moral sense would be how does it mean, what does it mean for me? How does that reflect okay. on me? So okay. what is the temple? reflecting on to me and basically um i am the temple of um the holy spirit because it's in you my soul is in union with the holy spirit so then i have to think about how am i taking care of my body and treating it am i treating it as a temple right of the holy spirit right okay and yeah i've got some work to do on that then the anagogical and anagogical um refers back to heaven and the last things okay Go ahead. No, you go. You go. Um, and the temple, the ultimate temple, is heaven. That's that's our goal. And so the one one word temple could be read in light of all of those things. So when we're reading maybe uh, the Gospels and and Jesus visits the temple as a child or as an adult, um, we can to help us better understand those, those passages. We could think of these four different senses, and we can ask ourselves, "What is God trying to tell me?" Literally, what is he trying to tell me morally? How is this, you know, as we're reading? And and that goes for anything in there. You can uh, use the word tabernacle. That can, that's another one that I like to play with. Sure. That can point to a lot of different things. Um, and so it just helps you to kind of enter into scripture and and find the hidden deep the deeper meaning of what God is trying to tell you. So right there, you said, just, we've, we've got about a minute left. Um, and that, to me, that was a great, unpack that last thing, just as a last thought. Why pay attention to these five keys? Because scripture is a living love letter to you and I, to me. And it, it's, it's not something that was just written for the people of that time. It's, it's relevant to you and I today. God is trying to speak to us very directly through scripture today at this moment in time in this situation in my life. And we need to hear God speak. We need to take the time to sit down and spend time with it. Great. Thank you very much. That was a beautiful ending. Uh, And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us at sfdiocese with the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.